0: It's time. You go in pieces.
1: And welcome to Your Move Creep My name is Lad Reed And this is a podcast celebrating action cinema From 1980 to the year 2000 From the East to the West From the worst to the best On this episode I sat down with Russell Bailey From the Not Just For Kids podcast And we talked about 1994 Speed We chatted a little bit about Gateway Action Films James Bond As well as a visit to the Trivia Zone And we checked in a little bit with the Big Five Without further ado Let's get into the creeps Hi Russell, thanks for coming on the show How are you doing today?
0: Hi, no, yeah, I'm good. It's a beautiful, sunny day, so um, I feel quite chilled and relaxed. My moods are very much linked to the amount of sun that surrounds yeah. me. Like, <laughs> as it gets not when it gets too warm, I'm I'm quite a, a, a hobbit of a man, so I'm quite hairy yeah. and uh, I retain a lot of water. So I get a bit hot in the summer. But at this point, I'm like, yeah, this is nice. I can wear shorts. I can have my shades on. I have a Jurassic Park uh, pair of shades, so I'm like, yeah. Spherical, spherical. so yeah um i am I'm, <laughs> I'm good, I'm good
1: that's good, that's good yeah, it's quite nice, it's really very, very warm up in Scotland unusually warm um it's been well, that's quite... because we're destroying
0: the planet so you know yeah yeah of yeah so like but
1: it's nice to have like nice to be warm, but also we know the ramifications are why it's so warm <laughs> that we're just uh, we're utterly fucked you <laughs> know the, the existential
0: moment. dread that comes with, like yeah exactly yeah you yeah. happy because um, it's warm is something. Yeah.
1: I get he wear shorts, but also the kind of horrible, looming doom in the presence in the background <laughs> is quite it's, uh, sobering at, at best. It's going go uh, to be all the cost of us on this. <laughs> well, it would not happen to me, so fuck it. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> the worst I'm getting just now is a, ta- has a really bad uh, sunburn, so um, that's as bad as, bad as it's going to get. Hopefully, I'm not going to end up like Sarah Con and Terminator 2, <laughs>
2: um,
1: just yet. Um, <laughs> anyways, so. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for joining us. So, I just let you know that uh, what we're going to do first of all is going to go in for a quick talk about your sort of first um, experience of action movies. So, can you tell me a little bit about your kind of first experience when you of being younger when you grew up? could you grow up with action movies? Were they kind of presence in your household? Yeah. So, I um,
0: I guess once I'd moved beyond like stuff like Power Rangers or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Transformers because they feel very much like either superhero films or proto superhero films. They're kind yeah. of like I guess the the metrics of them as such that like it becomes unrealistic. Um, mm, and mm. I was dwelling. I think the first action film I saw is in fact on your back wall there. So yes. I um, stayed with one like grandparent when I was eight, and uh, he had an old rental copy of Terminator Two, and so I watched that. And Terminator Two feels like it's like perfect like
2: mm. uh,
0: transition film because it's like about a robot and a kid, and yeah, well, yeah, and, yeah. Definitely. And if it wasn't like very violent, quite sweary very downbeat at times <laughs> it could be a kid's film if it wasn't you know at some point someone gets it like, shot up and then a robot removes all the skin off his arm and shows this bloodied robot yeah. arm it could be a kid's film so yeah so um that was kind of my first introduction i would say in, in the indian jones films but again that's kind yeah. of more like an epic fantasy romp as opposed to like a action film and yeah, so it's just like Arnie. I think like Arnie is like this presence that's been in my life since I was eight. The first 18 I ever saw, I was 11 and it was Predator. So like,
2: mm.
0: yeah, Arnie has kind of been my gateway into various action films. My dad is sort of into them. Like, not like, you know, the 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 cultier ones, but like the mm. the big mainstream action yeah, yeah, yeah. movies of like the 80s and 90s, I would have been shown by him. Um, and then, yeah, there's just been like this kind of thing like, there's just been a presence for my life. The film we're talking about today is definitely one I watched when I was like about nine or 10. It's definitely like one of those early action films because mm, it's got yeah. like again, if it's got like this like fun setup and if it's like a bit of a romp, which this is, I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it's a romp where like people get blown up in houses, but still, it because it's a vaguely fun romp. Um, yeah, I think those are the ones I ended up watching when I was growing up.
1: So would you, do you think you're quite a fan of a, a premise in a movie? Yeah, I
0: love, I love it when be, it's a, like... A,
1: a, a to B, a plan, a yeah. plot,
0: like plot, a sort a sentence, of a adventure like, almost. Uh, like Terminator, like robot goes back in time to try and kill someone and it has to be stopped. Die yeah. hard, there's terrorists in a building and a cop's got to stop them. Uh, speed, it's like, the, it's the bus that can't slow down. Yeah, I love it yeah. when there's like a really simple, like one sentence or an action film. It's slightly high concept. But it is like a someone's having a really bad day. I like like action films that someone's having a really bad day. That's yeah, those, those, those are the fun ones.
1: So sort of every man put into a situation they's maybe not used to, and then yeah. get to this, get to from A e to B to this plot to stop X Y Z from happening or if yeah, and it's like, it's just like sort of blowing like, up they, they, every time I watch something like Die point. Hard.
0: It's like it's the thing that I kind of miss the most is that the biggest threat for him is that if there's something on the floor, he's going to cut his feet. That's like yes. for him. The biggest thing is he hasn't got shoes <laughs> on. And it's like, it's such a small detail, but it means that like you get that horrid scene where he like walks across glass yeah. and you see him picking up glass from his feet. And it's oh, just, yeah, it's horrible. yeah I, I really like the like action film. That's uh, not necessarily contained, but like the, the, the central figure is still human. Like Keanu mm. Reeves's Jack is like ridiculous in this. He's a bit ridiculous. He's like a really good cop, but he's also still human like, he still could get hurt, he still, you know, could fall over and die, like, if he gets, if he falls off the bus, he dies, like, it's not really yeah. that he rolls over and then runs after the bus, that these aren't the Fast and Furious films, these are, like, people yes. die in <laughs> this,
1: so. Absolutely, absolutely, so, and obviously, you kind of, they tell a bit about background about you, that you do, obviously, the podcast, not just for kids, and obviously, mm-hmm. you kind of touched a lot about Power Rangers and Transformers, and obviously, Indiana Jones, which is, quite kind of a tempo. pole thing. I've spoken to a lot, quite a lot of people in the podcast. And kind of Indiana Jones is kind of one that's brought up quite a lot in terms mm. of people's first sort of um forays or sort of first experiences of action movies. And there they in the sort of we are sort of the bridge movies between, you know, younger sort of things like Power Rangers where you may be learning a little bit about martial arts and transformers, you're learning about robots and stuff. So it sort of preps you yeah, a little yeah. bit like about yeah. for Terminator stuff. But um uh, Indiana Jones does seem like the kind of sort of perfect bridge between Kids' movies and then get into sort of like more mature. um Maybe like you be your, your mum and dad like you'll watch, you know, The Last Crusade or, you know, Temple of Doom and then they go, right, maybe a couple of years later you can be like, maybe let them watch true Lies or something or something a little bit more like it's not as brutal but it's still, you know, action and a little bit more adult themed. Yeah. And like uh, certainly one in
0: three of Indian Jones because they're about India fighting Nazis, the yes. fact that people die in that film is fine because they're nazis like the people who yeah, yeah. With, are like <laughs> the ultimate historical bad guy yeah. and like yeah i so i've covered the indiana jones films on my podcast because i did a season on spielberg mm-hmm. um and like spielberg again is a great gateway to being in because he does a lot of action films but like mm. wraps them in some kind of like either it's like tom cruise versus aliens and war the world or it's like harrison ford is indiana jones and there's a lot of action movies to this but they also add in the like mechanics of it being uh, an action adventure film like uh, that kind of addition of adventure to it kind of helps ease it in and also so it's kind of uh, so i don't really face my kids because my kids have so many other films to watch but i remember a time when you watch what was on either TV or rented to you from blockbusters. And so there's a lot of like films of the eighties and early nineties that are kind of like family films because they were family films. like, Like, like Indian Jones has someone's face get melted at the end and like, so does um, the Last Crusade, and in Temple of Doom, they pull out people's hearts, and it's all yeah. all that stuff. So it gets like really close, but because it's it's all done with like this kind of like rompy action vibe.
1: This, yeah, like, yeah, exactly.
0: We're going on an adventure vibe. um Yeah, and like um, so, like something like the Mummy, which has the same vibe, and is also quite violent. Mm, yeah,
2: I remember absolutely. watching that when been, I yeah. it,
0: when it first came out, like on went to blockbusters and rented it, and I had a whale of a time with it in like two thousand. So, yeah, I um. My my kids don't really face this as much because there is so much stuff on various streaming platforms that's for kids. It's not like... It's like, I must have watched Jaws when I was six and Jaws has stayed with me ever since (laughs) and destroyed me and gave me recurring nightmares of sharks for five years Mm, and has ruined my relationship with any kind of natural world because it's terrifying. (laughs) And like my daughter is now six and she's not going to watch Jaws anytime soon and she's not going to come across Jaws necessarily uh, anytime soon because... She has her own choices. She can watch any other number of films or TV shows. So, like, yeah, like, these kind of, like, action films, like Speed, like Terminator 2, like Die Hard, mm, like Indiana mm. Jones, are not necessarily family films. So I would watch them as a family. We'd, like, watch them with my dad and my yeah, yeah, mum yeah. and my siblings. And, like, they would kind of be allowed because they're fun. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And, so, and, you're like, and you no sex. Have... Like, there's no sex. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They're all sort of a films,
0: so it's, like, Yeah.
1: There's kissing, you know, like 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 obviously, like to kind of quote the Savage and um, Princess Bride. Is this a kissing movie or is a kissing book? Um, there's kissing, there's romance, but there's never no, there's no kind of overt, you know, eroticism about them. They're quite, you know, yeah, they're not, there's not quite, sexy. There's nothing sexy going on here. Like the hero gets hero gets the girl at the end, kind of thing, or but, uh, that's something about about it really. But when I was
0: three or four, my dad showed me the first two Batman films and I became obsessed with them. And Batman Returns is a horny, mm. horny film, which I've only yes, really got much. Yes, a yes. while <laughs> after that. Like, I was four going, huh, this is really horny. As at four, I was like, yeah, Batman, yeah, beat this person up. And now I'm like, this film is weird and sexy and what's going on with the penguin there? Why is he such a creep? I love it. Yeah. So yeah, so like...
1: Yeah. Yeah, Batman, Batman returns. Is, has always got a strange r- r- reminder of me because when I was younger in primary school, well, like maybe I was maybe about ten, maybe we had sort of like on the door it was like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" or "What's your sort of dream?" And it's like a big board on the door you could put like sort of like clouds and write your write your name, and write, oh, "I want to do this." And This girl in my in my school, I'm not going to name her because that'd be shit. <laughs> um, she wrote down. I want to be catwoman because her outfit is sexy. And I just remember just like like <laughs> thinking like just thinking at 10 years old, not, not really like thinking that was overtly, like not really knowing what that mm. really meant at that time. Just be like, oh, what does that mean? And like saying that Mum and Dad, Mum and Dad like, oh, it just means that she's very pretty. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. Has
0: nice hair so and like,
1: uh, has nice hair, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I then I would see those movies and go, it was just completely I was, just, I was like Batman, 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 Batmobile, Batmobile. And then, like, now I'm like, Catwoman, 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 Catwoman. So it's like, it's, it does kind sort of change as you get older. You be, yeah. You're sort of appreciating the changes in the sort of We mindset. all have
0: a Michelle Pfeiffer phase if, if yes. we're that way inclined. We'll all be like michelle pfeiffer is something else in this film and now i've transitioned to my like danny devito's penguin phase i'm like i'm obsessed with you and your weird ass performance this is yeah like nothing you've done before danny or since you have never gone this weird so it's like yeah you've got like michelle pfeiffer out there for like when i'm like 13 14 15 and now in my mid-30s I'm like am i becoming the penguin is that my trans? <laughs> is that my journey am i going to become this weird penguin like figure <laughs>
1: It's very, yeah, it's very strange. And obviously the first one is obviously gonna, is, is sexy by default because Prince is all over. Yeah. the soundtrack, so it's um, amazing. Uh, so we're going to go uh, next kind of questions and just kind of bounce off what you spoke about before. So when you think of action films and the action film genre and on, on the whole, obviously you mentioned Arnie a little bit, obviously you spoke about mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. Who do you think that sort of embodies action, you know, so to speak?
0: And for you, I mean, for me, it is it is Arnie. Like I've never quite gotten into some of his peers, so like I've never quite had a Sylvester Stallone mm. uh, period. I, I don't gel with Rocky, and I've never seen Rambo, so that kind of like I, mm. I think that for me it is Arnie. It's that kind of like ridiculous like physique of a man with all these muscles <laughs> ripping out of him, and like I think I'm like kindercon cop, which. I hadn't watched for years and I did it on our podcast and I forgot like the mm. first 20 minutes of kindergarten cop and the last 20 minutes are like ultra violent eighties Arnie. And then yes. the middle is like nineties Arnie who was like fun and for kids. And it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. there was a time when Arnie was violent. And then you think of like, I, I watched kind the barbarian for the first time the other day. And that's mm. brilliant. But he is yes. basically in like a fong, topless <laughs> rippling of muscles. Like, that's the thing. Like that, that kind of like unrealistic, like, body that arnie has and i do Mm. still absolutely love him i still think he's a fabulous like screen presence so it is arnie and then i guess kind of like it must be keanu reeves because Mm. for me there was speed and then when i was growing up the matrix kind of thing i was never into the matrix like anyone else i think the lobby scene is is unbelievably cool but yes i never got into the whole like um mythology of it i never was ever like in love of that (laughs) but kids at my school were really into it. And then also for me for action is kind of stuff like anime, like Ghost in the Shell or Akira, mm. like
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: that kind of era of animation. I definitely had a period of my teens when that's what I was into. In fact, when everyone was into the Matrix, I was into Ghost in the Shell. I thought Ghost in the Shell was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It probably still oh, yes. one of the coolest thing I've ever seen. And like I thought Akira was like nothing else. And those are kind of like definitely Ghost in the Shell is quite action-y. And then mm. I can't rule out James Bond because... I think we've all got a James Bond and I think James Bond is a slightly different action hero, particularly mm. like when I was my James Bond is Pierce Brosnan. Mm. Who's bit camp quite quippy. Uh, his films are quite ropey at times. Like yes. I, I adore Goldeneye. I, <laughs> I think tomorrow never dies is fun, but the villain is, is naff. And then yes. yet, the world is not enough, which is fine. And then die another day, which is very bad. And like, yes. So like, I, I guess bond is like another thing. And it's, it's, a very um English British thing to be like for me action is also Bond it's also you know a guy in a tux or a guy mm. in a wetsuit um blowing up somewhere or like seducing some bond girl or fighting someone with a hat like all those things. And also the car chase, like the only real like car chases I have outside like Terminator 2, for example, is the Bond films um, where it's like mm-hmm. the car has gadgets and so you are watching it to have the gadgets yes. and yeah, so I guess a lot of my action is like unrealistic standards, either like it's someone who has far too many muscles or it's like a British spy who has incredible gadgets and mm-hmm. an incredible car and will always save the day. Like that kind of like safe parameter is there in the action films that I kind of grew up with that the hero will always save the day, as it is in speed. Like the hero will save the day. It's not going to end on a downer. And even Terminator 2, even though Arnie dies at the end of it, the day is saved. And mm-hmm. they can carry on their journey down the road and, yes, get multiple sequels that are none of them are as good as Terminator, Terminator 2. But, yeah, like, that's just the thing. Like, I have um in my childhood, there's that. And also, yeah, there's Indiana Jones in the mix. But, mm-hmm. again, I'm not sure I think that that for me is, like, if I define action, I wouldn't be like Indiana Jones for me as action. Because, yeah. It is more of an adventure romp that just happens to have occasionally have um, indie punch Nazis, which we can mm. all be for.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're still very good for no. a Nazi <laughs> to get punched. But yeah, it's that I feel that something like what Arnie is doing is straight action. Like you mentioned True Lies and mm. that's mm-hmm. like a pastiche of Bond, but it's far more action-y than Bond had been at that point. Like Bond got action-y after that yes, point. But yeah. Yeah, up from yeah. that point, it had never been like that chase through the mall, uh, up the building, into like with the horse and the guys on the motorbike—more
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. action
0: than like <laughs> two thirds of Bond films ever even reach. Like in that one sequence.
1: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you you kind of touched a lot about on the James Bond. Obviously, again another kind of. Or maybe films, in the, certainly in the nineties with the Pierce Brosnan films, that may be a bit more of a kind of gateway into sort of the more sort of serious action movies, but more kind of pumper action movies because kind of kids love a lot about kind of a gadgetry. Mm. I and mean, obviously, I don't know about yourself, like obviously with doing the podcast you do, you've obviously you know touched on the Goonies. I'd imagine so. I mean, it's that was sort of my thing, like gadgets and kind of data. Kyo Kwan in that movie was was somebody I was a person I looked up to because he had all the cool things. He had mm. the kind of punching glove and the. Zip planes and stuff like that so that's why I, I wanted to be him when i was younger in the guineas. um even though i was probably referred to as chunk more than more often than not <laughs> uh, and i have to do the truffle shuffle on many occasions by my my brother but um but yeah so that's that is something that's amazing so so you know we've kind of touched on it quite a few times yourself there so let's get right through your pick this week and that is speed so can you tell me also a little bit about why you picked this one from the list i kind of give all my guests
0: uh, so your your list was full of so many wonderful films. I think I I end up with five or six films that some of them were like ones that I I knew and loved, and some were ones that I um, didn't know. But like like I think I picked um, it's not Return to Pro- Rumble in the Bronx because I'd never yes. seen it, and I've just watched a couple of the police story or police cops, the Jackie Chan police films. I watched a couple police of those, story, yeah. and I was like, I should watch more of that. So but but then. It had to be Speed, because Speed is so good. Speed is such a good film that I watch at least once a year. I think I watch it twice this year already. Oh. And, like, there are a couple of films like this and Terminator 2 and, and a few others where, like, if it's on TV at any point, I'll just sit and I'll watch it, and I can watch it to the end, or I'll be interrupted and I'll leave it. But I can watch from any point in this film and just be drawn straight into this, like, narrative that is quite simple but compelling and these kind of like roster of characters like the the hero is is compelling the hero the hero is compelling the villains compelling the the sandra bullock figure is compelling there's some nice supporting characters in this it's a great cast well written fantastic school like all this stuff and it's just like of course it had to be speed because it is one of the great action films of the 90s if not ever
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit about speech now. I'll go through a little bit more of a history of the history of the film. Um speed so from from nineteen ninety-four, directed by Jan de Bont, uh, himself is a very accomplished cinematographer, but not so much known for direction. He was quite prevalent in the nineties. There quite a few movies like Twister. Uh he was a cinematographer for things like QJo, Black Rain, Die Hard, which is a book a bit before, and Lethal Wet and Three. Um not the greatest of Lethal Wet movies, but <laughs> it's a very fun one. Uh so he directed this film. He did go on to direct the less than favourable but still I don't know, good. I've not seen it in a while, and maybe you've seen it before me, but Speed Two Cruise Control, um, mm-hmm. where Canada doesn't turn up as we well can stand a book again, but it's time it's on a boat. Um have you seen Speed Two Cruise Control? Uh it's been a long time since I've seen it, as I say, but have you watched recently? Are you a I, fan I, of that movie? I have
0: watched it recently. Uh I'm not a fan of Speed Two. Like I watched it at the time <laughs> and I remember it being Ropy, and I rewatched it after I picked this and watched. I was like, I should watch Speed Two because it's on Disney Plus and I could just watch it. And <laughs> um, I watched it with my partner, and she maybe turned off about twenty minutes in, and so I watched <laughs> it without her. And it's never a good thing if my partner can't get through a film because uh, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. Speed Two is, um so uh, you can tell that Speed Two was like a rushed out film after Speed. Like mm, it, mm. it doesn't make a great deal of sense. Like it doesn't make like the the villain is sneaking on bombs in golf clubs, but it's like if they scan the golf clubs, they'll still find the bombs. And if you're trying to get a bomb on board and they're not checking a bag, just take the bomb on board. And like um Defoe isn't that well used in it. I forget yeah. the name of the, the Keanu Reeves replacement, but he is dreadful. Chandra yeah. Bullock is not that compelling. And it's all very just like, it's on a boat and it's a bit of a disaster movie instead of like, but the thing about speed is that it's on a bus that's speeding round a city,
2: mm-hmm. and can't
0: go under fifty. That has stakes. This is a boat that can't stop, but it's going very slowly. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like the boat has to keep a certain speed. It's that like the boat can't be stopped, and it's going to crash into yeah. somewhere. And it does. Spoiler alert: does crash into somewhere. And it's yeah. I I think it's just like they should have, if anything, put on a train. And a train that can't stop is at least exciting and would be fast. Yeah. And, and uh, yes, that's Under Siege 2, and I don't think Under Siege 2 is good. But you could have on a train, well. <laughs> and you could work around a train, and that's quite yeah. interesting and exciting. So I think it's from the setting onwards, from the fact that it's a bit of a rushed job and that Keanu Reeves didn't come back wisely, didn't come back. Yeah, I think
1: I um, I think, knew, I think it was on the wall for that one. I think he was like, right i've done my part <laughs> and look, he's not adverse to a
0: sequel like he's done, oh, no, he's Matrixes done yeah. and john Run wicks
1: in. and wants
0: to do another constantine so he's not no, the sequels, I but this is no on oh, and bill and ted's yeah. like many bill and ted's
1: yeah yeah so we're like i like, want to number coming up number five john wick and uh, i'm not complaining about those movies i love you know like <laughs> uh maybe not the last matrix movie but certainly i love all the Bill and Ted movies. Uh, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll, we'll gush a little bit about Keanu Reeves later on in the podcast, but yeah, like, I think Speed, Speed 2 um, just maybe doesn't have the, the same tense atmosphere as this yeah. movie does, which we'll kind of get into a little bit, but, so, i will we'll go a little bit about the plot. So, in Los Angeles, a police officer, Jack Traven, played by Keanu Reeves, and as a former Bomb Squad member, uh, Howard Payne, uh, played by Dennis Hopper, as he falls attempt to take an office building hostage. some retaliation, Payne arms a bus with a bomb that will explode if the bus, re- bus, bus, bus reaches under 50 miles per hour. And with the aid of the wildcat driver, Annie, paper Sandra Bullock from our former podcast of Demolition Man, and his partner, Jeff Daniels, uh, Jack must try and save the passengers before the tragedy strikes. So, pot quiz hotshot, what did you think of speed?
0: Oh, my goodness. Speed is wonderful. Speed is is a delight. Like, it's not like I watch any time ago. Actually, I've been wrong on speed. There are some (laughs) films that I watch and I go, oh, I was an idiot. This isn't a good film. Speed is great. From the opening, like, to, like, the... What I sometimes forget about speed is it's only about half it's on the bus. Like, you get a really good opening where there's a Mm. bomb on a lift and there's people trapped on a lift and it's up to Keanu and Jeff Daniels to get. To stop basically these people dying lifts. So that's another, there's like a tense sequence. Yeah. And you have this amazing credits where like it's going down the lift shaft. This amazing music. The music in this is epic. Like that, it's epic and 90s. And I think that's how to describe speed. It is epic and it is 90s. Like there's some stuff that's very 90s about this. Like Mm, the mm. roster of um, people on the bus is very 90s. Mm. Uh, But yeah, this is just. Speed is great. Speed is like legitimately great, and I was thinking it might be like this is probably the best Die Hard film that isn't Die Hard. Like, yeah, there well, yeah so many yeah, yeah. Die Hard's, but and this is Die Hard, but it's on a bus, and this could be a Die Hard sequel. You could see this being that the cop is uh, John McClane, and mm, and in fact, yeah, it yeah, probably yeah. a better way to approach some of the sequels than just being like he's in an airport, and oh no, bad stuff's happening again at Christmas, like. It's a statement that my favorite Die Hard sequel is Die Hard of a Vengeance, where for some of mm. it, it isn't at all like a Die Hard film. And that's that's why I love it. And same with this. This is like, uh, I can't be angry at it for being a Die Hard Burt film because it does it so mm. well. It's like all the stuff I love about Die Hard is kind of in here. Like there's a really fun villain. There's a really likable hero. There's even a bit more of a love interest this one. There's some great allies. Yeah, Speed is, yeah. Speed is fantastic.
1: And you, you, you spoke just a second ago about, obviously, Die Hard. John McTiernan was a, was actually asked to direct this movie originally, um, along with actually Quentin Tarantino as well, which was quite interesting. But John McTiernan, you know, obviously directed Die Hard. Um, so it'd be, I think it would be really interesting for, to see him, like, have handled this in John McLean. But I think, what well, can I go on to him just now? Is it, what do you think is, it, this is sort of like the second action film after Point Break that, piano has been in he's obviously been known quite a lot as either very serious movies like my uh, river's edge or my private idaho or he's been known as sort of like a kind of like oh do dude bro sort of guy yeah. in the bill and ted movies and in films like parent, uh, parenthood how do you think he fa- how fares as sort of his rise as a section star has gone on when in speed do you think he sort of handles the job quite well you know better than maybe say, like somebody like bruce willis
0: oh you- so he's a very human action hero. He's the, the, mm. everything at Keanu Reeves, he's, he's incredibly human in the parts he's playing. And so there is that quality. I mean, he is a bit buffed out. He's clearly worked out a bit and it's oh, yes. not quite. So like the Keanu Reeves of now is, is has lost most of that muscles and it's, it's now just his physique is different, but it's just, he's got that kind of uh quality to him. That's, that's charisma, but also kind of an everyman charisma that, bits better. Like there's a point when before he gets on the bus he's hung because there's a ceremony where they like get a medal mm. for stopping the lift from collapsing. And he's hung over and so it's like it's it's nice and comfortable. And yes, he's still someone who can like be lowered underneath and go underneath the um the bus to to find yes. the bomb. But it's also that he'll be hung over or he'll like he'll make bad jokes and and yeah I think he's very adept here at being the action star and he I almost preferred this model of his action star to the, the John Wick matrix Neo one, which has that kind of like mysticism around them. Like even John mm. Wick feels like a mystical figure. Like he's the Baba Yaga, and he comes out and kills loads of people. Yes. Whereas in this, he just feels like a fairly good cop. And that's mm, his thing. And so mm. he's, he's good at what he does, but he's still just a cop. Like it, it's never that he has like, he kind of that bill. Is he bill or is he Ted?
1: I think he's
0: Bill. Okay, that Bill Preston, I think Bill sure. aspect to him is there a <laughs> bit because he's like, uh, like in his charm, he has that kind of like relaxed yeah. charm that's that's off. Like if you if you like this is like a couple of years after like uh, Die Hard and and the Terminate, first term the cover the Terminator films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like maybe a year or two years after Terminator Two, but he's a very yeah. different action star from from Arnie, who is. Mm-hmm. Um, at his best when he's not talking, Arnie is at his best when he's just like being this like total screen presence because he has mm. this physique that is so unrealistic whereas Ips. Keanu even slightly buffed up Keanu here is still n- human he's still like you can mm.
2: mm-hmm.
0: imagine him going to buy a carton of milk you can't imagine Arnie going to like the shop and no, buying no, some milk no. that's just not... <laughs> so I, I think round about way I, I think he's a great presence in this but for a different reason from someone like Arnie and kind of following he kind of feels like he's feeding from the point that john mcclain is at whereas john mcclain is like a very human mess in the first film and then gets increasingly less human as until he reached the point where he's like jumping onto planes in the fourth one and and surfing yeah. planes around like that's the thing i think they're made from the same cloth and you can uh, the stories of diehard sequels are always that they are like an existing script that is then taken and yeah. rejigged to become a Die Hard, and you could see this be taken and mm. rejigged very, very easily into being uh, another Die Hard film, and so that's that's one of the strengths there. And it's also why Keanu Reeves is so human is because he's just like John McClane, but in the same way this is this is Die Hard, but
1: yeah. So I think I think that because we're always kind of draw parallels to things like if you look at it's going to be a weird tangent, but here we go. So you could kind of think about like so. Obviously, in the eighties and nineties, there's a, much of a difference in terms of music. Obviously, I'm coming from a music background, and people people in the podcast, if they can see me, I've a big old of guitars and basses behind me. But um, in the eighties, was very very pomp and circumstance, and then of the nineties, was very much grungy and back to sort of rootsy and very kind of humanistic sort of uh, look about. You know, like metal, I suppose, and mm-hmm. grunge, and um, coming into emo and like punk and stuff like that. Um, so. I think maybe there's a slightly shift in terms of music, m- movie, action stars wise. I see, you know, in the eighties the was obviously the big muscle bound guys, like Stallone and um, obviously Arnie, of course, and you know John claude Van Damme now, in the nineties, there was they were still around and they were still making great big movies. But yeah, kind of guys like you know a bit more human, like Steven Seagal, like, mm-hmm. like, obviously like that, and like Keanu. Do you think there's maybe there is? Do you kind of agree there's been a bit of a shift? and sort of the action stars we're seeing in the 90s a little bit.
0: Yeah, and and even the kind of 80s movie stars do change in this era. So, like, Mm. we take Arnie's career, like, he goes from being, like, Commando and the Predator to, like, in the 90s, he can still do those action films. So, like, there's, like, Eraser and True Lies and and Terminator 2 in this era, but he also does family films, and he also becomes softened by that. And so it's this like softening of masculinity that we get in this era that that Keanu Reeves is perfect for that because Keanu Reeves is masculine but in a very different way from like like someone like Dolph Lungan, who who is fabulous but he's again he's in like the arnie mold of being all the muscles and that's like that kind of like masculinity that is unattainable and this becomes like i guess an attainable masculinity in kind mm. Keanu Reeves jack because while he is like an amazing figure like can do a lot he's still yeah, you could imagine him like driving along, listening to "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by by Nirvana. Yes, like, and that's like it's it's a really interesting cultural touch point in that, like the music does like represent where the where where culture is, and like mm-hmm. we have gone from like I guess the eighties, the masculine side of the eighties music is like Guns mm-hmm. and Roses and you know big guitars and Metallica and stuff like that. Yeah, Metallica, and on, now we're to bands. here to like almost like. Rock that is about our feelings, like like, yeah, yeah. is about your feelings, and those feelings yeah, are overwhelming. Yeah. In in the case of *Nevada*, it's a lot of feelings going into it, and you, also there's like this comedy edge of it to *Speed*, far more mm. than some of the other ones. Like, it's not like *Commando*, where the comedy is like Arnie giving like the McBain like quips of yes, like, um, saying. So and so, I told you I'd kill you last. And then he drops the person and says, I lied. And yes. that's, that's yeah. great. It's fun. But like this, in this one, it, the comedy is more like Keanu Reeves Jack playing off kind of Sandra Bullock's Annie or Jeff Daniels' yes, colleague yeah. or like Joe Morton's captain. There's like that kind of like comedy, and there's a bit of comedy between uh, Reeves and Hopper and like that kind of like villain and antagon- of the antagonistic mm. role that Hopper plays. Yeah. There's a little bit of comedy there. There's a little, little bit of spark. So. Yeah I think that's the other thing that's here that the, the script is is maybe better than the 80s scripts like a lot of the 80s scripts are quite functional and the, the like the reason why McBain is such a parody in the Simpsons is because it's just playing off of what action was in the 80s yeah and <laughs> I I mean I adore McBain I think it's a lot of fun but yeah, yeah it's that in the 90s we kind of softened our masculinity Nature. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It also maybe lines up with like where American politics is. So like you've mm. gone from like that kind of like greed is good Reaganism of the yeah. 80s to like this 90s, which is transitioning from being like George Bush's Republicans to Bill Clinton's Democrats. So kind of mm. see so, yeah, a mm-hmm. softening mm-hmm. in certain areas, not in everything about yeah. culture, but like the culture we're being drawn off of is kind of softening a bit with something like Speed.
1: Yeah, and I think I think also kind of to go back a little bit, talk about Keanu, I think that this is we, I mean, we might agree that this is a sort of this is sort of a reinvention for him as well because I think you know he's largely kind of known for sort of being not like the best of actors. You mm-hmm. obviously he's been in been in quite a serious lows. So we talked about, about my private Idol, which is a very you know, Oscar worthy mo- movie. But if you look at something like like Dracula, which is an amazing yeah. movie on a
0: whole, but. Yeah, stylistically he's
1: fabulous, old. but like he's definitely yeah. struggling
0: there to like I
1: mean, yeah, yes. But this is this is was to come into this sort of movie and be like, listen, no, this is where this is my wheelhouse now. I've found with Point Break and with this movie, and obviously going into the Gun at the Matrix, which makes becomes making a big massive star. And now for him have to come back, now we in can in the 2000s and come back as being John Wick. Mm-hmm. I think. Do you think this is maybe just him going right? As I've I've found my niche, I've found my my place in movies now. And obviously he's he's gone on to mix up in movies and horror movies as well, but do you think he's gonna kind of found his sort of um he found his feet with, with speed? Yeah, and, and like
0: so Keanu is the most uncomfortable like quite stagey film. So like he's in, I wanna say kind of brand as much do about nothing as yes. the villain and I mean he's not fantastic in that. I, that's a fine <laughs> film, but it's like stuff like that which is quite mannered and a certain type of dialogue. So be it Shakespeare or mm. be it like in Kenneth Branagh's, uh, not Kenneth Branagh's, uh, Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula. Yeah. I don't know why, I'd kind of, is that Kenneth Branagh's
1: Frankenstein? Is that what's in my head? I don't know, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah that's he, does, he, does, he, he was in Frankenstein, yeah, he made He was like Frankenstein in that.
0: But like, that's a Victorian set costume horror, like costume mm. drama horror. And so that's kind yes. of, there's a way that they're acting in that, that I don't think it fits Keanu. And I think from Point Break to this, you can kind of feel like he's like, no, no. What I can do well is to take that kind of surfer bro, mm. slacker vibe I have with Bill and Ted, and graft it into being an action star. And like Point Break is is terrific fun. He's yes. great in it. And then you get to this, and like you can just trace his like action journey. So you go from this to like, I guess his next big action film is The Matrix, and then again has mm. that kind of like the surfer bro has become kind of like a tech a hacker so he's like kind of mm. there's a lot of alternative culture that goes into keanu Reeves's performance and like by you get to john wick he's like an out even though he's like very much in he's still an outsider and he's still that kind of yes. like presence to him that that is kind of being perfected here with speed and with point break like yeah i think i think there's an aspect to him that kind of understands where his star persona is and travels away from that sometimes but in the same way that I don't know, Bruce Willis knows his star persona, Arnie knows his star persona, like even when Arnie becomes a a, a kid's a, a family film actor, he's still Arnie, he's still doing the Arnie thing. It's just he's punching a reindeer as opposed to you know, throwing someone <laughs> yeah. off of a cliff or whatever it is.
2: In yeah, exactly.
0: the same way with Keanu, like there's this action persona to him that gets recontextualized. Like it, with The Matrix, it becomes that he's this messiah like figure. Mm, mm, in this mm. this uh neo uh, futurist world and then with john wick it's that it's, it's that it becomes like the the gunplay becomes kung fu and it's about him destroying as many people as he can
2: mm, in like mm.
0: one sequence and and this is just like he's taking that point break cop persona placing it in here there's a bit more, for me, tension here. It's a, less like trying to stop a robber from rubbing some banks and more like if the bomb goes off, everyone dies. And so there's that kind of like tension that kind of feeds into Keanu's performance as well is that he knows he's got stakes and he plays Jack's stakes perfectly.
1: Mm. And you think, you can see the sort of confidence a little bit more in terms of what he's his acting, I think, as well. And maybe a little bit more confidence being and being the star a little bit more. Um I think I think he's found his. I think we said a moment ago. I think he found his kind of his place in movies and go like I, this is where I'm comfortable I can, and that's where he shines. And this movie, I think, not just stands out for him, but stands out you know as a as an amazing uh, '90s movie on, on the whole. But what does go move on a little bit about talk about some of his co-stars? Uh principal I want to kind of shine a light on Dennis Hopper in this movie. Now, Dennis Hopper sort of throughout the '80s and often in of the '90s, he was sort of known. As being sort of creepy kind of off-center, kind of bad guy. What do you think of about Dennis opera as Howard Payne in this movie? How do you think you feel fa- affairs kind of in the sort of the classic, you know, villains? Because he he's very is very memorable and very kind of quippy, uh like kind of hands grobery in this kind of film.
0: Yeah, he's very verbose. Um, he gets great lines. I mean, you started the 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 this segment with one of his quotes. Mm-hmm. Um and like the thing with Hopper is like are
2: you,
0: this will be your entry to him, or maybe Blue Velvet might be. Like I think Blue yes. Velvet is also another like strong entry point. And they're both similarly villainous roles. Like this, thankfully, it's not about him like breathing into a gas mask and uh, getting a bit <laughs> sexually violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it's like this, like like the thing with Blue Velvet is like it was a transformation for Hopper. Like he had been this figure in the seventies mm. where he'd been like a bit of a wonder kid and had starred in like some of the great films, of the era, but then that kind of had had too much, like too much of the, of the limelight, mm. too much of the, the drugs that come with that, Uh too much of like the freed, creative freedom. And so, yeah, this is a great, great performance from him. He is a lot of fun. He's one of the first people we see in this film
2: mm-hmm. and
0: gets a great villain's death.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is like,
0: like if you have like a nineties villain, if you have, like, a kind of, like, Die Hard mold, you'd have someone like Dennis Hopper in this, Mm. or uh, Jeremy Irons and Die Hard Free, like, very similar kind of, like, they're verbose, they... um, And and, and what I always love is these films, like, the cops always mistaking this, like, as that they have issues, or, like, it's not, they're kind of just playing them, they're kind of just using their verbose ability to talk, to to kind of lead the police down a certain point, which is, Mm. like, Mm -hmm. the death of one of the characters is... Is because he's kind of they're, they're tricked to go to a place by, by how Dennis Hopper's Howard is. Um, yeah, and is he's he's not some feminist, like No, he's a monster. He's entirely a monster <laughs> who does bad things to a lot of people, blows up some very nice people, and all because he wants a bit of money. Like, and it's always like I can always get behind a villain where their motivation is greed and like mm. they feel they're entitled to money. That's, that's something I've always liked in a villain.
1: Yeah, he does play sort of not not a sympathetic character because he is, you know, like you say, he is a monster in this movie, and he's very happy about gleefully he kind of blowing up things and blowing up elevators and sacrificing lives. But um, the reasons why he's doing it are, is quite like he kind of wants to retire. He wants to kind of he, he's been he feels like he's been hard done by by the police. You know, he's like he's you know he's all again you know four, nine fingers now. <laughs> Um, you don't even—I don't even think you even notice until the very, very end. Kind of when he kind of kidnaps Sandra Bullock, he's got sort of like just sort of the kind of four fingers and he's kind of touching on You're like, all right, now you notice it. Um, he's also smart. He, we should say that yeah, his intelligence is yeah, yeah, smart, yeah.
0: like and not like unrealistically so. In the same way that Hans Gruber is smart in Die Hard, it's that mm. they have their he's plan. they more, it more sort of,
1: you know, it's more kind of humanistic. because he's, he's more kind of an everyman villain rather than being you know like some like Hans Gruber, is more in a little bit more of a, a suave, well-educated sort of Hans Gruber is well-educated. Yes, 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 exactly. Uh, uh, just, but he's get smarter, you know, and it's very interesting. But now uh, you spoke a little second about obviously, blue velvet being a kind of touchstone to like knowing about dance Hopper. My touchstone to Dennis Hopper is far, far different because the year before this film came out. I got to see him in Super Mario Brothers. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. and that was my touchstone to find out about Dennis Hopper. I went a Dennis Hopper until I in this movie. Uh, uh, to see Super Mario Brothers and obviously in this movie. Um, that's an interesting tentpole to have is you're sort of like, oh, Dennis Hopper, you mean from Super Mario Brothers? That amazing, great <laughs> uh, uh, comic, book, sorry, comic book video game movie. Um, so it's a bit of a start change and obviously got old, being older now and Appreciate Blue Velvet. Appreciate Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, which is amazing. <laughs> and one of my favorites. Of I think I that's probably the best Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, should bite me on that one. Okay. Um, you know, and obviously he's, he's an, been in, He's a rider and he's, an, he's amazing in True Romance. You know, has that one of the most amazing scenes in True Romance. I would arguably say um, that amazing kind of sit down with Christopher Walken. That great. Um, and we can't really repeat it on this podcast, but that very very fun fun um, conversation. Uh, but yeah, he's he's, he's very very an interesting our villain because, and he still has that sort of relationship because they do kind of meet up in the very beginning of the movie, mm. um, where he, um, and we um they have sort of a tussle in the in the elevator, but for the most part they're sort of kept apart really, um kind of only kind of speaking by phone, quite the same. Dynamic is kind of Die Hard with hands yeah. and um, John McClane they're kind of talking over the phone or talking over walkie-talkie. says it is
0: it Die Hard? I mean, I guess the main difference there is that they each know who each other is. Like,
1: yes, yeah, so you know, they, there's no each mystery
0: other. as to who the hero is yes. or who the villain is to each other, and so that exactly. means it's like it's a next step from how it is in Die Hard. Like, it's a lot more like that they've met each other and they've got each other's like mo. They understand each other how each other works, and so. It creates a lovely like tension between the characters that I yeah. I, I think it really works really well here.
1: Do you think that? Would you agree that Dennis Hopper is probably one of the one of the best villain actors? Uh, he kind of he kind of lends himself quite well. He doesn't really play a lot of not sympathetic parts, but very sort of nice guy parts. He has a little bit obviously in true romance, but in this movie and think Red Rock West, he's very kind of villainous and disgusting. Obviously, in Blue Velvet, he's like a complete creep. Um, what do you think it is about Dennis Hopper that makes him that sort of, kind of fit into that sort of role quite so easily? I
0: think it's probably two things. One is that his, physically he's like he's quite a short figure and that mm. seems to be played really well in these films and he, he can be a bit unassuming at times but then be utterly, utterly monstrous mm. and that's the second mm. one is that he's just willing as an actor to be monstrous like there isn't a hint of um redemption in in his howard his howard is a monster who likes yeah. to put bombs on buses that's going to kill yeah. lots of people because he thinks he's entitled to money like yeah i think that's the thing i think it's a willingness on his part to to play despicable figures well like that's what there is, is that he's playing this part really well but the part is a monster and like he's doing it so well i i think he is yeah i could see I do think he's one of the best, like, '90s villains, like, mm. of that era. And even in sort of *Mario Brothers*, he's kind of got like a great monstrosity to him, even if the yeah film is is something.
1: <laughs> it's, it's certainly, some, something. But I mean, he's that is certainly. I mean, obviously, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, and that's probably reasons a good reason why. Um, but it's still there's still sort of a he still brings something to it. You know, and it's like, a, you still know, a, bit like
0: a bit of a like schlubby gravitas to him like he's like mm. you can tell he's been in like a francis ford coppola film like yes he has a presence to him on the screen and and has a way of talking and a way of delivery of his lines that says i've acted in the 70s with some of the greatest mm. directors ever i know how to deliver this <laughs> line
1: yeah yeah it's like i can come down to this level of movie and i can i can knock it the part because i've been at the tippy top, essentially, of of acting, okay, so I can come down, and be with plebeians and be in Super Mario Bros. I can be in Speed, I can be in Lynchian movies. You know, I'm, I'm he's sort of a, a Swiss Army knife. Versatile, of, of he is versatile. Yeah,
0: he
1: is versatile, darling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to go on and we'll, take, we'll talk a little bit about Sandra Bullock in this movie and uh, and Jeff Daniels a little bit uh, of Jack, Jeff Daniels. He was in *Dumb and Dumber* the same year of this movie, which I find is quite an interesting sort of mixture. It was, it's like two sort of buried to different moves to what he's used to. You know, he's used to kind of you know, sort of he's sort of comedies. He's sort of maybe used to more, but well, he's a bit more gravitas, like in *Terms of Endearment*. Um, mm-hmm. what, how do you think he sort of fared as a as sort of the, the psychic to Keanu in this movie?
0: He has great chemistry with Keanu in this movie. They have great like. Post and back and forth and like yeah i mean jeff daniels as an actor is he has a fascinating career like from this he'd end up like being in in a hbo prestige drama the newsroom as the lead mm. figure like to be able to do this and dumb and Dumber in the same year very few actors could do this and dumb and Dumber in the same year like I've yeah got to applaud them <laughs> um yeah no i i think he's great in this i think his death is utterly tragic and very sad and he has that kind of look to camera like yeah Oh, no. And dies. And, like, yeah, there's... It it kind of is sad that he gets killed off because there is this Mm. great, like, rapport he has with Keanu's Jack, and then he's doing, like, sort of the side mission to work out who how it is and how he Mm. can be stopped. And, and yeah, like, their opening together is great. They have, like, a banterous back and forth. It's quite quippy. Uh, the, The 90s was a really good time for, like, that kind of, like back and forth between people and what's actions happening around them kind of film. yeah yeah um and yeah daniels is very capable at that he's also capable at like you know all the stuff he's Dumb and done Dumber. like i think, yeah, that's, yeah. I think I, which again
1: is amazing of course I, I love dumb and Dumber. it's one of my favorite movies <laughs> i'll defend that film to the hell um but
0: yeah like i like i think he's i think he's terrific fun in this and his death is like the death that kind of just places the stakes entirely where they are. Like, they, I, mm-hmm. I forget the name mm-hmm. of the woman, the woman from Donnie Darko and Child's Play 2, her death is, is she, when she falls off the, blown off the bus trying to escape it.
1: Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's
0: yes. also impactful. But it's not like we've had time, the same time you have Jeff Daniels as um, Harry uh, before he, he he exits the film.
1: Yeah, because you, you sort of, I suppose in a certain way you kind of expect, that, you know, somebody has to, there has to be a sacrifice made, you know, between these people. And it's not going to be Sandra Bullock, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Uh, so there has to be, you know, he has to kind of come to his end. Yeah, it's all point. written
0: all over his part that he's probably going to make out of the film. But yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's telegraphed quite, quite well, but, um, it's again, like he has this amazing scene where he sort of gets caught by the, the detector in the house. You know, I've seen it, quite a lot of people, if you're basically like granny, have one of these detectors in their house um, nowadays, but, uh, yeah, and he's kind of got, he doesn't, he kind of says nothing, he just sort of goes, right, that's it, I'm, I'm sorry, he has this kind of look and a sort of like swallow as he knows that he's, that's him dead. So it's quite a, quite a kind of, a, quite a sad and sort of, and some, something that kind of sticks to you because it's so a memorable shot, mm. as it kind of, the shot kind of, the kind of old kind of bungalow almost, explodes in sort of a big ball of flame. Um and obviously, we just talked about a little bit Sandra Bullock here. Where do you think she sort of plays as sort of as sort of Bobo partner to Jack when he's on the bus?
0: Oh, she's because um, this is a very early Sandra Bullock. This is like quite early in her career, and mm. my understanding is that she was nowhere near the first choice for this role. And mm. and I feel that it's like it's it's weird to call Sandra Bullock like a normal person because it's Sandra Bullock. Like she's like Mm, gone mm, on to do um, films like some of the, yeah, uh, her presence is no longer that. But in this, I could believe that she's someone who has to take the bus because she's had a driving license uh, removed from her. And I could believe that this is just a really bad day for her. That is, yeah, she plays it really well. And again, and one of the strengths of this, this film is that everyone has great chemistry of Keanu. Keanu Mm. is able to manifest amazing chemistry between all the cast and it's there with Keanu and Sandra Bullock and you have to believe that they're going to end up romantically together and that makes sense yeah. and if I bring it briefly back to Speed 2 where Speed 2 doesn't work is because there is no chemistry between the lead and Sandra Bullock and so yeah. it is the absence of Keanu Reeves that he can kind of like manifest chemistry with all these actors and also the script kind of helps him because they get like good lines to say to each other but yeah 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 there's I think Sandra Bullock is great here and I think the chemistry between Bullock and Reeves is also outstanding.
1: And do you think much like much like Keanu this sort of cemented her career going forward? Do you yeah, think that this like was, I can see it was like, being right, right. like
0: um not not that she'll end up being an action star but that she'll um be able to carry like this the 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 romantic interest or like carry a film because she does carry a lot of this film with Giana. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. They're like they're like co-leads, essentially. That's mm, how it becomes yeah. from like the the second from like 30 minutes onwards, that's how this mm. film is. It's that they are the leads together. Yes, definitely. Uh, I I might have some slight issues in like the act that she becomes damsel in distress, because mm. for so much of this film, she's not that role at all. She doesn't need to be saved. She's the person driving the bus and she has a vital role. And it's just at the end it becomes that she needs to be saved. And I'm slightly like I don't mm, need that, yeah,
2: agree that way,
0: but yeah. it's the '90s, and like I, I can't expect this not to have those kind of tropes when it's a '90s action
2: film.
1: Yeah, so we're we're getting a little bit of progression in terms of our movies, but maybe not. They're gonna like not too don't want to go too far. If we see those, don't want to go too much into sort of. <laughs> we're um, not going
0: to solve the problems anytime soon.
1: What carries we is, uh, we'd be kind of walk politics nowadays would be like, oh, have a woman in them in a sort of co lead. Um, but yeah, I think I think this is the sort of film that I. Apart from obviously, we've talked about in previous episodes, is of Demolition Man. This is sort of the film that I sort of associate with with Sandra Bullock. If you said, you know, straight away to speak about, I say, mention, tell me about Sandra Bullock movie, I'd probably say this one or I'd say Demolition Man because those were the ones that sort of stood out. For mm-hmm. me, as I've been a sort of a teenager in the nineties, seeing these films and sort of kind of grown up, this is but this is a, this is the felt Sandra Bullock film for me. I think she's just so. Likeable in this movie as well in terms of of a because a, uh, she's kind of she doesn't take in any kind of sort of carrying kind of shit at the beginning and um she is obviously a bit in distress and she is kind of nervous about you know driving the bus and sort of yeah. carrying yeah. the film a lot in terms of that but she's also quite st- strong character and like you said a moment a moment ago she does kind of at the end become someone who needs to be saved rather than somebody who's doing the sort of saving and being kind of an active role in trying to help these people. I do find that that maybe does her a bit of a disservice in the end, but I do understand a little bit about about the guy. I
0: mean, there's no other way happy, for her to I mean, be a presence easy. in that finale, yeah. like yeah. how the finale is set up. She, she wouldn't be a presence otherwise.
1: Correct, exactly. I would say so, but she, I, I, I think that she is oh, really, really good in this movie, and I, I think that you know she kind of goes on to make kind of to be sort of a big sort of romantic lead, I suppose, in other in films. She doesn't really have many sort of touches in terms of action moves apart from maybe some sort of like the net, maybe or miscongeniality
0: of um, the push, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, yeah, like the, a yeah. pa- parody of pastiche of this sort of stuff, but like, yeah, yes,
1: yes, yes. But yeah, she's
0: not, it's like she's like gonna pop up in any of the Matrix films anytime soon,
1: no. But yeah, she, she, I mean, she recently was in Bullet Train, which at the very end, so if maybe they make a, make a second one of that, maybe she'll they are making a problem. second Bullet Train, so yeah, yeah maybe, she, maybe she'll, she'll know, pop up. I thought she kind gonna up and maybe kind of tussles a little bit with somebody. It'd be quite interesting to see. So we're gonna go on to a couple of our kind of final segments. And we're gonna go on to a segment called The Big Five. This is where I talk about a lot about, about the five big action stars of the eighties and nineties and talk about where a bit they are in relation to the film we're talking about today's speed. So obviously this is 1994. So we'll talk about, about first of all Arnold. Um we've mentioned it quite a few times before in this podcast. Today, uh, true lies made true lies in this year. And he goes on to make Junior as well, so a little bit of a, again a difference in terms of, of a kind of dichotomy of, of Arnold here. That you know we've got the kind of pastiche, sort of funny, not super not hyper serious action movie, but still quite quite an Arnie movie, quite a still kind of bombastic Arnie movie. And then we've got Arnie giving birth to a child and, and with Andy Vito, uh, which is quite quite interesting. Uh, Stallone, we've got the specialist, so he was sort of in. Maybe sort of the slight downslope of his career at this point. Um, he was making kind of films like Assassins, a specialist, um, Detox, or ICU, I think it's called, and certain films. So yeah. he was sort of in the downslide in terms of his career, uh, kind of winding down a little bit before he kind of came back up a little bit in the 2000s. Uh, Seagal, we've got On Deadly Ground, which has uh, Michael Caine hamming up as a band guy. I've um, seen clips of that. I've
0: never seen it. Is that the one about oil?
1: That's the one that says it's very environmentally friendly. from you know, see... on Twitter a
2: yeah, few yeah, months yeah.
1: ago as a film. I don't know why Michael Caine's in that movie, but uh, he is in that movie. That, that's, that's a, why Michael Caine's yeah. there. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's a future episode to talk about. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, which we'll be talking soon about that about that soon on the podcast with uh, one of my my friends, wrestler Manlon. Uh And he also made Time Cop, uh, which is an amazing, fun movie. Uh, one of the, the most dodgiest and funniest of um, all. Uh, time travel movies, and Jackie Chan was the legendary Drunken Master, which is, again, a great sequel to the original Drunken Master of the 70s. So we're going to now take a little trip, not go past 50 miles per hour, into the trivia zone. So as we spoke about a little bit earlier, and um, we talked about a little bit about Keanu Reeves. Now, obviously, he's kind of given himself quite a lot into this movie. Um, the sort of again we said it before cemented him a little bit as an action star. He actually went on to do ninety percent of his stunts in the movies. Obviously, I hadn't really noticed a lot until I watched it last night. That you know he is in the scene you know where he goes under the bus on this sort of little sort of skateboardy mm-hmm. thing. That is him, and is, is very precarious and like <laughs> he's very very much noticed, he is in sort of not in harm's way, so to speak. But it's all in camera. He's doing a
0: stunt. Was, he's like he's flung yeah, under a
1: bus. Yeah, which is like, so like, do you want to go and do this? Yeah, okay, that's fine, I'm I'm, I'm cool to do this. So I think that sort of, again, speaks to his level of commitment to making sure he gets a little bit more of a uh, rise in this because maybe if you look at kind of the older guys, like Arnie and Stallone and Bruce Willis and stuff like that, they maybe didn't do their own stunts, you know, and John McClane wasn't jumping off the, you know, Bruce Willis wasn't jumping off attached to a hose off the top of the Nakadomi Tower. It's much 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 a more portly man that's jumped off that. But um he's definitely doing a lot of stunts. And I think which which again speaks to um the sort of apprentice and a new action star, a new kind of kidney scene. Um him and Jeff Daniels went on to actually train with the SWAT team members. Uh, so that's how they kind of they're very good at like being SWAT team members in this movie, I'd say. Um speaking about training, uh Sandra Bullock herself actually learned to drive on this movie. They drive the bus and actually pass our bus driving to exam first time, which is quite cool. So if you ever need, if you're in the vicinity and your bus uh, breaks down or your driver gets shot, <laughs> on your bus, in those interesting circumstances, you can get get in there and get get you to your, your next stop, uh, for a price, I'd imagine. So, the producers, producers found kind of finally found out that this was going to be a hit, and uh, we did some test screenings. People were going to the toilet. Now time they were going to the toilet, they we're walking backwards and watching the film as we went out because they just didn't it was such a tense movie and so kind of engaging. because uh, it doesn't doesn't sort of let up. It's very, you know, from the word from the word go, mentally has that phone call, was like uh, non-stop kind of action and kind of pace, 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 pace. So everybody kinda of wanted to watch and make sure they so were right, we've got to kind of hitting our hands because people are glued to this movie so much that they can they don't want to go to the toilets quick that quickly. Uh now, I kinda of noticed this and it's a very interesting thing that I can it came up on uh some trivia I found online. But a lot of people compare the chase scenes in this to the O. G. Simpson chase scenes. Uh which which I kinda of, at one point I was even I kinda of thought I was like I'm almost expecting a kind of white Bronco to to come out of nowhere. Uh <laughs> because it's very very, it's just, oh, cause quite a lot of the stuff is all oh, 'cause aerial shots of mm. mm. the off the highway and three way. So it is very kind of evocative of that. And obviously that helps happen at that time. So it's a very interesting bit of trivia. I thought it was a strange, strange thing to see. But if I'm thinking about it, I suppose a lot of other people are doing that. So, and also the iconic bush jump scene. They actually filmed that twice because um, the first time it looked too nice and they landed perfectly. So they wanted to make it look a bit more like Manic and a bit more like it was going to crash. But they actually just took, it was a bridge the whole time. They just took it out, rigidly, yeah. Um. obviously. Um. They didn't actually make Sandra Bullock jump. The fucking (laughs) should pass that exam with flying colours. I don't think she's really up for doing that uh, sort of jump. So that was our time in the trivia zone. So let's speed back to some final thoughts. Um, So final thoughts about speed. Would you recommend this movie for fans of action in general or fans of action, 90s action, fans of Keanu Reeves?
0: I'd recommend this to anyone. I think this is one of those films I think everyone... Has to watch at some point. Like Keanu Reeves is great in this. The action is fantastic. I said it's tense and fun. And I should have mentioned him. Uh, Joe Morton is in this. I have to shout Joe Morton because mm. he's in Terminator yes. Two. Oh yes, as, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As uh, uh, he's great in that. He's great in this. Uh, he doesn't pop up in too many great films. Bless him. But okay. this, he's really good. He's the captain. So they have a good yes. like rapport. Yeah. No, I think that the speed is. Uh, one of the greatest action films ever made. Like it's on beyond my Mount Rushmore of action films. Mm. Because it's oh, God,
2: like
0: yes, it's just like like on my own podcast, I sometimes get wrapped into like the like transition of things. So like I'm going to do modern animations so as like going from one thing and how that impacts stuff. So it's like how Into the mm-hmm. Spider-Verse led to Puss in Boots 2, which is not pheno- is a phenomenal film in it, of itself. Mm-hmm. And how like Die Hard led to this. And to Die Hard is like the the top of the tree, or the or the foundations, and mm-hmm. this is like the neatest branch that comes out of it is this because yes. it's 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 a near perfect action film.
1: Oh, I, I agree. I think I think it's we have to talk about. I mean, we both love f- f- uh, action films with a premise, which which is this. Which is this is obviously Die Hard again, same sort of situation. So, but watching it again last night, it does sort of cement it as like oh, this. This movie is. This movie is deserving of the reputation it has because it is so such a kind of tentpole movie. It sort of sits neatly in that sort of in the middle the mid-90s and mm. is very of that of that time, but also it's sort of the film that made Keanu the guy when it comes to kind of being an action star and being the sort of the new to kind of use our sort of wrestling terms, you know, the new generation of 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 um you know from the kind of pomp of pomp, you know, the art of the art Hulk Hogan Arnie guys. To your Sean Michael Bret Hart of the and Keanu and Patrick Swayze of the of the nineties, I think I think those are the kind of films that um, they can speak to me and speak to the nineties and create a new sort of genre and a new sort of wave going forward into the 2000s but it changes again. Um, so yeah, again, I again got, I can only echo, echo yourself and recommend this movie highly. Um, maybe not the second one um but the second one is only
0: if you're morbidly curious and i'll be i'm sure i'll we'll, sure we'll,
1: we'll, sure we'll have you i'll have you back oh good thank you uh i can only be so nice and let you do that um so some let's go to a little bit of plugs russell where can the creeps find you on the old interwebs
0: so um if it's not on fire you can find me on twitter at russ loves movies <laughs> and uh i wish i could i could twit. I wish I could quit Twitter, but I can't, and that's why mm. I post like my views and <laughs> podcast appearances, and I pop up in a few of podcasts. My own podcast is called Not Just for Kids, and that was my kind of lockdown breakdown that persisted. So, like, I got in the first <laughs> lockdown, a point was like, I need to stop talking to my kids and my partner about films. I need to find people to talk about <laughs> films. So I did this podcast. So it is Family Films: The Movies to Grow Up With because I wanted to cover films like Terminator 2, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, South Park, the movie, Austin Powers. They've all had, like, appearances. Uh, if you go and there and you search for a film, I've probably covered it. Right now, depending on when you listen to this, I'm even going to be doing one animation. So that's, like, the last 20 years of animation has been, in the West, some of the most fascinating films that have ever Eww. been made for me. Um, or I'm covering Star Wars, because I finally, finally... I've got to this point where I can be like excited about Star Wars again. Like it took uh, five years, four years, four years since um, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, and like I've now like been like, no, Star Wars is something I love. It's not just something I'll watch occasionally. It's something I love, and so like I'm gonna do an entire series on the films, the TV shows. I'm gonna get in someone who knows about cosplaying to explain to me about cosplaying because i don't understand cosplay but it looks okay. darn impressive the good cosplayers I'm like you guys are talented yeah mm-hmm. so that's so we were talking about modern animation and recent episodes have included uh Wallace the wallace and Gromit shorts uh mm-hmm. across the spider-verse the would an episode on motion captures so like bear wolf and tintin uh, mm-hmm. which is like this kind of like fascinating experiment of a of a way of making films that just didn't work like <laughs> uh, those films are not good films, but they are f- no. fascinating. It's fascinating, like particularly like as the the number one film in the global box office is across the Spider Verse, which is a, is mm-hmm. an animated film more for adults than for kids. Having seen it, yeah. I don't think this is a kids film. But normally, adult animation fails hard. Like it, it like comes out and no mm. one wants to watch it. And that was the case with Beowulf and Tintin, that they didn't make anywhere near the money they needed to. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really pleased with that chat. Like, it's a really exciting chat. Um, yeah, so come find us. Uh, we'll cover, we cover loads of stuff. I've done Spielberg, I've done Studio Ghibli, I've done the 90s because I grew up in the 90s. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of fun with it. Amazing. Well, thank you very much for coming, Russell. And hopefully, we can talk to you again, maybe about Speed 2, maybe about something else, maybe. Uh, but thanks for coming on the show and being an awesome guest. No, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And who doesn't love talking about speed? Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you. Next time, we'll be chatting to wrestler and Twitch streamer Manlin about the beloved video game adaption Street Fighter. As usual, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram on Your MC Podcast. You can email the show on yourmcpodcast at gmail.com. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review on iTunes, and I'll see you on the next one, Creeps.